God wants to empower you to do far more than what you can ever do in your own strength. To walk in that power, however, there are a couple steps you must first take. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life, and I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience, and I'd love for you to join us live sometime Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org slash live. I was born again at 16 years old and around 17. I discerned that God would use me in ministry. Now, I didn't know when, I didn't know how, I didn't know in what ways. There was just a knowing that I had that this was my purpose. That was 20 years ago. Along the way, I took steps toward this. Those steps gave me experience. Those steps educated me in a lot of ways. I learned what it is I'm passionate about. I learned what it is I'm not. I learned street preaching wasn't one of them. I learned that being a children's Sunday school teacher wasn't one of them, and those were lessons I learned the hard way by experience. So I'll be the first to admit that all the experience, the education, the things I've been through has been crucial to what I'm doing today. But there's something that I stepped into maybe about 12 or 13 years into my faith. It's made more of a difference in what I do than anything else. I'd accredit it to a new level of ease in what I do. I'd accredit it to any spiritual power I possess. I'd accredit it to the reason people listen to anything that I say. It makes that big of a difference. I stepped into my anointing. Now, do you know what I mean by anointing? For some people, it might be a strange word. For other people, it's a very familiar word, depending on your tradition. But it is probably one of the most biblical concepts. So that we're all on the same page here, anointing is God's selection of someone for a purpose accompanied with a supernatural ability to do it. You might think of anointing as an empowered purpose. An empowered purpose that gets activated when there are two main ingredients at work. We're going to talk about those two ingredients in a few minutes. But first, let me show you what anointing looks like in Scripture. In the Old Testament, Moses was anointed by God to lead his people out of slavery and into the Promised Land. Along the way, God anointed 70 leaders or elders to help him. So anointing is not just about being the person in charge. It's to help accomplish the mission, whatever someone's role is in that. When people talk about someone being anointed, the most popular story in the Old Testament, I'd say, is the story of David being anointed for the king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord tells Samuel to go to Jesse's house, that would be David's dad's house, find the son that he has selected to be king. Samuel didn't know who it was. And Jesse had eight sons. So the Lord kind of said, go, and then I'm going to show you. That's 
what he often does with all of us. Go and then I'll show. In verse 3, this is what he says, I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Which one of his sons to choose. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to get into all the details of the story, but what's most important for now is that Samuel went through seven of Jesse's sons. He looked at the oldest, which is what would have been the cultural choice. But the cultural choice wasn't God's choice. So one by one, Jesse presented his sons to Samuel. And God had him pass over. And God had him pass over. And God had him pass over. Until there was one left that wasn't there. One that Jesse didn't present. Because he was the youngest. It was David. And that's probably because culture and religious tradition dictated that the youngest didn't get anything. So David stayed out into the field, tending the sheep and the goats. Nobody thought he'd be chosen for anything. But in verse 12, as David is presented, God said to Samuel, This is the one. Anoint him. And in this instance of anointing, the Bible illustrates a ceremonial act that was done. Verse 13, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now there are plenty more examples of anointing in the Old Testament. Elijah anointed Elisha. Priests and prophets were anointed for their roles. But in every case in the Old Testament, anointing involved an imperfect human, selected by God for a purpose, and then being empowered by God's Holy Spirit with the abilities to do this purpose. Sometimes the anointing was done by God himself simply declaring it so. Other times it came with a ceremonial act of applying oil. Other times it came by the laying on of hands. Jesus may be the most obvious example of someone who is anointed. At his baptism by John the Baptist, the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and settled on him. And then God spoke an identity on him. In Matthew chapter 3, God said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. That was an identity. Jesus went out from there in that identity with the Spirit on him. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He went out from there, faced the enemy in the wilderness, and won. And then he stepped into ministry, which according to Luke, he began by opening the scroll of Isaiah and declaring, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news. So there again, even in the instance of Jesus' anointing, the Spirit rested on him. So through these examples so far, I hope that the first ingredient of anointing is pretty obvious. It's the Spirit of God with someone. But this is where things get a bit confused today. So much so that a lot of People are trying to receive anointing the way it used to be received. And by that I mean by doing a certain something to almost convince God's Spirit. Come, Spirit, come, rest on me. 
years ago, before I understood what I'm teaching you today, I'd go from revival service to revival service to revival service, asking every one of the evangelists to lay hands on me in hopes that their anointing might transfer to me. And I don't mean to poke fun at that, but if you are chasing the transfer of an anointing, I'm telling you, you will only stay frustrated because anointing doesn't get transferred like that. No, because of Jesus, the Spirit of God doesn't rest only on certain people. Because of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of every Christian. We get it better than the Spirit resting on us. We get the Spirit in us if we're a Christian. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you. That moment you were anointed. 2 Corinthians 1.21 It is God who has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses, doesn't use the word anointed, but it describes the function of it when it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there you can see there's a selection, there's a plan, and there's an empowerment to do it. So let me simplify it like this. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you already have the first crucial ingredient of anointing. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to chase after someone to give it to you. As a Christian, you have what you need from God. But when it comes to seeing the Spirit's power work through you, the question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Like every part of you. This is what some call a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a different spirit that comes to rest on you. God doesn't send a proversion of his spirit to rest on you. Basically what it is, it's you surrendering your body and soul, like mind, will, and emotions. You surrendering your body and soul to the spirit of God who is already in you. And when that happens, and the Spirit takes over your functions, well, that comes with a unique manifestation of His gifts to flow through you. Now, if you haven't surrendered yourself to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't have to be anything complicated or spooky or sensational. Everything of God is received by asking in faith. The Lord says, ask and you will receive, knock and I will answer. And in that regard, he's talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. So you can pray with me now. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Consume and saturate every part of me, my body, my soul, with your Spirit. Immerse me, every part of me, with who you are. Now in that prayer is the second important ingredient to walking in your anointing. It's every part of you. Many Christians, though they are chosen, though they have the Holy Spirit, though they are baptized with the Holy Spirit, though they are anointed, 
they are not yet walking in their anointing because they aren't willing to let God use every part of them. Especially the imperfect parts, the messy parts, the weak parts, the past regrets and the present struggles. That was me. I was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit as a teenager. From that point on, I had a wisdom that really was beyond my years. And I don't say that in any kind of a prideful way, but I really believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit that I received was wisdom, which operates through my teaching. And that's one that Paul mentions in the list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. But anyway, though the Spirit was operating in my life, like I said, I really didn't walk in my anointing in the ease of the anointing, in the smoothness of it, in the power of it, until I was closer to 30. And that's because that's how long it took me to be at peace with me. Oh, the Spirit of God was in me, yes. But I wasn't yet at peace with me for Him to use me. Listen, the Spirit in you can only empower what's in you. Too many of us, though filled with the Holy Spirit, are either not letting the Holy Spirit use what's in us because we are ashamed of it, or we don't think it's perfect enough, or we are trying to be something other than what we are, and the Spirit can't empower something that doesn't really exist. The Holy Spirit is not going to empower a fake version of you or a duplicate of somebody else. If God is going to use you, you must be at peace with the you he chose to use. If you notice in Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says that God created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned. What this means is that you began with a plan. Before you were born, God had something in mind for you. Then he formed you in your mother's womb to fit that plan. He gave you the physical features necessary for the plan. He gave you the personality necessary for the plan. Now, since you were born, there have undoubtedly been some things that weren't of God's doing or choosing. Maybe some unfortunate experience that scarred you in ways. Maybe choices you made. Maybe you even live with disabilities or differences that are one of many things that aren't the way that God intended them to be, but it doesn't matter. As I say so often, it was all accounted for in the plan. Because the moment you said yes to Jesus, God cleaned and redeemed you. He created you anew. So that every aspect of you is something useful in the plan, even if it's for nothing more than to make you stand out. And God knows that's important even more these days in this world filled with noise. He is creating some people that really stand out because they have to. If you're going to walk in your anointing, you have to get at peace with your past so that God can use your story. The Apostle Paul was anointed by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He met Jesus while on his way to persecute Christians. Given his past, nobody would have chosen Paul to be the leading evangelist of Christianity. 
In fact, Ananias, the man who God told to lay hands on Saul, who would become Paul, actually argued that point with God. Look at what he said in Acts 9, 13. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. But look how God replied. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. Saul is my anointed instrument, is what God said. Paul would have never stepped into what he was anointed for. He'd have never walked it out and lived in the power of it if he had not been able to make peace with his past. It's probably why he told the Ephesians, or the Philippians rather, you have to forget the past and press forward. Paul had to embrace his past because that was a key component in God using him. His past is what gave him a story that attracted people to his ministry, and it's what showed people the power of God. It's what wowed them. Wow, if God can use somebody who did what Paul did, then maybe he can use me too. If God can change a man like that, then maybe he is real. Paul would have not walked in his anointing if he would have left out the details of his past because he was ashamed of it. People needed to hear his story. It was a part of him. That was always part of the plan. It's no different for you and me. Finding peace with your past doesn't mean you have to love it or are happy with what happened. It just means that it doesn't hold you back from pressing on. It means that you've surrendered that part of you to the Holy Spirit that's in you. You've said, take my story, Lord, and empower it to do something. Bring it up and use it, Lord, whenever you want to. I can tell you in my life, it took a good decade or more before I was ready to share parts of my story, especially the rejection stuff from childhood, because some of it was embarrassing to me. Some of it was shameful to me. I had to go through some healing stuff. And a big part of all of that was understanding the grace of God and my identity in Christ. Stuff that I talk about so much in this ministry. But it's when I finally started to share my story without shame, that's when I started to see new levels. That's when there was a new ease in ministry. Because I started to step into God's design for me. The plan He always had. And that's when people just started to find me. I mean, I didn't even have to go out looking for people. I just started to share the story as it was anointed by God. And people who needed that story, who needed that testimony, that message, just started to listen. And that's part of the supernatural thing that God does. His Spirit anoints the parts of us that He wants to use. Which causes those parts of us to take on a supernatural power 
that accomplishes things you never could do yourself. I could talk about a whole lot of things, but it's when I talk about my story that for some reason has a certain power on it, that brings people that need to hear it, that helps heal people that hear it, because God's anointing rests on it. Walking in your anointing means being at peace with your present too. Like peace with the things you currently deal with. I laughed the other day when I heard a lady say that she had to find peace with her thighs. I guess they weren't quite the size that she wanted them to be and it was really holding her back. I had to find peace with my introverted personality and realize that I can't change this about me and God doesn't seem interested in changing it about me, so there must be a reason for it, so I'm just going to go in it. And as I just stepped out as the person I am without the guilt or shame of what I am not, that's when I experienced a new level of confidence and boldness to do what I'm doing. I've found that God especially empowered what I thought were the weak parts of me. That's what he does. You see it all over scripture. He fills in the gaps of our imperfections. You know, we think we got to go and fix them and we got to go and make them right. Strengthen them. All God wants you to do is say, hey, Lord, hey, Holy Spirit, take over that part of me. Show your strength through my weakness. And that's what he does. And it's so powerful because I'm telling you, there's nothing better. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more anointed than when somebody sees you doing something that you shouldn't be able to do in the natural. Working through your weakness. Accomplishing something in spite of what it is that isn't perfect about you. When somebody sees that and accredits it to God, I'm telling you there's a power in that, there's an anointing in that that's like nothing else. Moses was anointed by God to lead his people to freedom from the Egyptians. He argued with God, I can't, I don't speak well. God didn't send him to speech therapy. No, God's spirit empowered his voice. God's grace came alongside his voice and enabled him to do what he couldn't otherwise do. As a teenager, David was anointed by God to be king of Israel. We went through that story. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. You can read through David's story from 1 Samuel 16 on. And as you do, you're going to see that like immediately after his anointing, The Spirit of God manifested through him always when he was being himself. You see this especially when David went to face Goliath. And that was shortly after he was anointed, at least in Scripture here. He talked Saul, who was the king at that point, into letting him go out and face this Philistine giant Goliath, and nobody thought David was ready enough. He wasn't experienced enough. He was still a kid to them. And so they were hesitant, but finally Saul said, okay, but use my armor. 
And David said, no, it doesn't fit me. I'm not comfortable in it. It's not mine. It's not me. So David went and he fought Goliath with only what he had, which was a staff, a sling, and five stones. It wasn't what somebody else had. It wasn't what another leader had. He went with what he had. And God empowered him to do what he was called to do using what he had. He took Goliath down. He walked in his anointing using what he had. And that's what it's going to take for you to walk in your anointing too. You've got to be at peace with you. It's also going to take you being at peace with your future. And really that looks a whole lot like not caring so much about the opinions of others. If you're really going to walk in the plan God has for you with the power that he desires for you, you're going to have to get okay with criticism and being misunderstood. There is really just no way around it. And I know that's far, far easier said than done. Trust me. And it's really done in stages and probably throughout our whole life. But that's why peace with your past and peace with your present has to come first. Because when you can get beyond the shame of what you've done or been through or what you're facing and feeling today, then it's a whole lot easier to not care about what people say. That stuff isn't going to affect you that much either because you already know that other stuff from the past that they could bring up, the stuff about how you are that they could bring up doesn't define you. So if they say it, it's not going to get into you. I'll give you an example of something that I've had to do even more recently on this. If you follow me on any of my social media, then you've probably noticed that I've been sharing a lot of short one-minute videos. Reels is what they call them. And some of them have really gotten good traction, like tens of thousands and even more than 100,000 views on some of those videos. Well, when you're put in front of that many people, there's just a certain percentage of people that aren't going to like you or what you have to say, regardless really of what you say. And there's nothing you can do about it. And if you try to do anything about it, it's only going to frustrate you because it's just the way it's going to be. But when I first started putting myself out there like this and getting the criticism, as I was thinking about more videos and planning for more teachings, I started to find myself limited or hesitant by the fear of what people might say. There were certain things that I knew to be true, things that I wanted to teach, that for a little while I thought, oh, people aren't going to like that. They're going to criticize that, so I'm not going to post it. Well, that was fear of people. It was holding back what God wanted to do through me. So you know what I did? I turned off the notifications of the comments. I didn't need to see them all popping up on my screen every other second. With the temptation to go in and read what it says and then get all bothered and fearful about, oh no, what do they think about me? And it doesn't mean I can't go in there when I need to. 
but they're just not in front of my face anymore. Now I just focus on what God wants me to say using the story that I have and the gifts and style that I have, and I put it out there, and people can take it or leave it. But do you know what that does? It reaches the people who need it. It uses who I am, what I've been through, what God's given me, and it speaks to whoever needs it. That's walking in the anointing. I kind of had to die to the fear of people in order to walk in my empowered purpose. Now, I'm not saying that you should just be careless about what people think. I don't even think that's healthy. God puts people in our lives to bring us wisdom and accountability, yes. But you set those boundaries with people you trust. I don't just go letting anybody speak into my life anymore. I have people in my life that can speak into me because they know me. Some people think they know me and they try to speak into me and they really don't know me. Certainly I'm not going to let some armchair theologian on TikTok dictate my life and future. Because if I do, I wouldn't do anything or go anywhere. I'd be limited by what do they think? You know, the faith was spread by people who were so unconcerned with the opinions of others that they were willing to die for operating in their anointing. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was imprisoned. Especially in those days, they knew the message they had was not popular. And had they succumbed to the fear of their future, none of us would be here. I'm not saying that you should expect persecution or anything worse. But I am saying that walking in your anointing requires a level of a take me or leave me, but this is me kind of an attitude so that you are willing to let God use your past in present in the ways that he wants. As Revelation 12, 11 says, they have overcome him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, their story, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They said, God, take me, use me, all of me, my past, my present, and I trust you with the future. If you are still afraid of what this or that in your life means about you, then you'll be scared stiff to let God use this or that. And that would be a tragedy because this or that in your life is probably why God chose you for the plan and path that he chose you for in the first place. Like I said, it's all accounted for in the plan. If you are a Christian, you are anointed. God has a plan for you. And he designed you with the features you have to fit that plan. He's cleaned and redeemed your story so that whatever you've been through is part of the plan too. That's a done deal. You don't have to beg God for that. If you've said yes to Jesus, done. But please take this as wisdom from someone who's been there. If you want to walk in the full power of God's plan for you, in this thing we call the anointing, and I'm telling you, 
you have to lean in to those things that make you you. Like the real authentic you with no mask, no embarrassment, no shame. Surrender your past and present to God's Spirit to use them now and in the future. Just say, Lord, take me and have me and use me. All of me. However you will, and He will. Be encouraged. God hasn't passed you over because of the things that happened years ago or things that persist even now. No, He chose you with those things. God anointed you to be his unique, one-of-a-kind instrument that shows off his transformation. And through your story, he wants people to see his power, provision, protection, and affection. And through you, all of you, he wants to prove his kindness that leads people to repentance. He wants people to see you and think, how are they doing that? They shouldn't be doing that. And that'll lead them to the Lord. That's anointing. So may you allow the Spirit of God that's in you to empower you, every part of you. May you truly walk in the fullness of what God has for you today. Okay. One of the greatest limiters to walking in anointing is the fear of rejection. Hurts from the past and realities in the present often create a paralyzing fear that holds people back from both the relationships and opportunities that God has for them. Thankfully, as I've personally experienced, fear of rejection can be healed. Let me tell you about a resource that I created to guide you in that healing process. Just 30 seconds and then I'll be back. Let me ask you, how would your life change if memories of past rejection no longer hurt? What could you do if you weren't afraid of being rejected in the future? Maybe you think it's not possible, I've dealt with this for so long, but I'm here to tell you it is. If you've read any of my books or heard me speak, you know that the pain and fear of rejection ruled my life for so long, but I found real healing and freedom. And you can too. That's why I created my e-course, Rejecting Rejection. In it, I hold your hand to explore the scientific, psychological, and spiritual roots of your fear of rejection. I show you methods to reprogram your brain to be confident and courageous. We go through spiritual insights, reflections, and applications to heal your rejection-related wounds. And there's so much more. So what do you say? Are you ready to be unshackled from the fear of rejection? Then join me now. Visit rejectioncourse.com to get started. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and He is for you. And we're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.